Hello and welcome to Rewind the Movies. This week we look back at 1990s film Goodfellas. The film is an adaptation of the 1985 non-fiction book Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi. The film stars Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, Lorraine Bracco and Paul Savino. The film narrates the rise and fall of mob associate Henry Hill and his friends and family from 1955 to 1980. Being a fan of this particular genre, I didn't actually watch this film until my university days. But it's almost 30 years later, what would we think of the film? On this podcast, it's myself, Andrew Owen, joined by James Progodage, a.k.a. Prog, and Evan Quick. Here's the episode. I just said off camera, what a film this is, and I say camera, recording, whatever we're bloody doing, and that's exactly what my thoughts on this film is. I don't mind showing it, you know, my true colours now. I love this film. Growing up, I didn't have any memory of it until we hit university. So this film would have been out easily 10 years. When did it come out? 1990. I went to university in yeah. 2000. I know some of you, our prog was 99. But I probably didn't see this, I don't think, until Meadow Street. So that would have been my third year in university. So 2002? 2003? 2003, yes. I think it was. Yeah. 2002, 2003. That's Street. it, yeah. I, I don't know when roughly, but I just remember watching it and it probably would have been either Prog's copy I would have watched or maybe someone else's. Ev, I don't know if you ever had this on DVD in university. Yeah, yeah but it was after I lived with you. So uh, uh, lived with you both. So it's, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think I probably got it around about the same time. So 2002-ish. And I just remember thinking, how the hell have I never seen this film before? And there was a raft of those type of films, Casino being another one, that I didn't see until probably 10 years after it came out. Mm. Um, and I, I, I'd seen The Godfather, and I, Ev, I think you had the box set of The Godfather in university. And I just yeah. remember um, watching The Godfather thinking, I love this film, I, I, probably as a late teenager. And then... I don't know why I didn't make that transition to these other type of gangster movies. Mm. Brog, do you remember in university, I think it was me and you, we tried to watch all three Godfathers in one stint. Yeah. And we got to the end of number two and we were like, we can't do this. And we may have even got into number three. And I was thinking, yeah, we can't go any further. Gotta go to bed. Not, not in that fucking living room slash, slash kitchen. <laughs> Yeah, so growing up, I um, I hadn't heard of the film before I watched it with you guys in university, and I just thought, wow. And I watched it recently, or last night, and I still think, what a great film. So over to you, Ev. I, I, I didn't see, see it probably until, yeah, about 2000, 2002, I think, 2003, when I think of what I can remember, not can remember, I bought it on sale in HMB. In Cardiff, I think it was probably only about a fiver, I think. And it was, and I remember it because it was, it wasn't a convention, for some reason, it wasn't a conventional DVD case. It was one of the ones where it had, it was a cardboard case, and you had a little black plastic thing which popped out and then it went up, you know. Yeah, I was a big fan, big fan of The Godfather, as you know. Putting this on, I think it, you know, it's, it is, it is gold for, for me. Um, and it, you know, it you could you could say you could see a lot of films after you know that that Scorsese made after this were was him trying to replicate the Casino for a prime example. But I think this this is just, is is brilliant from start to finish. Yeah, Prog. Uh, same similar story to you guys. I remember buying this as part of a I don't know it might have been a three for fifteen pound VHS sale in HMV. I think I was going through uh it would obviously because it was the first few years of uni, it was this it was the stage where I was starting to just I was starting to go to video stores just looking at the cover and reading the back and going, I'm gonna buy this one. You you were starting to discover yourself. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was having a sexual awakening. Um <laughs> Do you know when we were in university and they'd have record um, and CD and DVD sales, you know, or fairs, they call yes. them that. Yeah. So in the union, and there'd just be some guy rock up who'd have like million and one DVDs and CDs. 
and inevitably we we'd come back with something that we hadn't yeah. seen before. I remember I came back with Good Morning Vietnam. And yes. that, that film blew my mind as well. What a soundtrack. Yeah. I came I came back with um ladies and gentlemen, the best of George Michael's double album for a tenor. That was the best ten pound I have ever spent. Well, I, oh, I tell you amazing. what, one of the I don't know how, prog, how much prog paid for it, but one of my favorite albums ever was um one the prog bought and it was Van Morrison. Yeah, because it had uh, the track list and there was an extra track on it. I think it was a bootleg album, wasn't it? I, I, I've never seen that album elsewhere with the same um, um, so, um, same tracks on it. Yeah. I, I've, seen the, I've seen a similar one, but there's one particular song which I think is on there, but not on the others. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think I got that for about seven or eight quid. Oh, what, a, what an album. Yeah, that was a good album, I was. Um, yeah, but it was, it was that time where you, where you used to buy something because you'd either heard something about it or you read the cover and sounded interesting or you saw, like, on the cover someone had said or some publisher had said, amazing film or whatever it happens to be. And you used to think, I'm going to buy this. And there was an excitement about buying something that you didn't know a lot about, but then you were going to go home and put it on and you were like, what am I going to be watching? Or, in the case of music, listening to... And I, I do think modern audiences don't necessarily have that experience anymore because when you used to go out and you'd buy a VHS or you'd buy a DVD, you were invested in it because you had invested in it, if that makes any sense. So you mm. wanted to watch it and you wanted to watch it all. Whereas now, I put on Netflix as a film I haven't seen before. I'll, I'll turn it off after 20 minutes if it doesn't um, mm. sort of grab my attention. Simply because... And that's a shame as else. well. Oh, no, it is because... Yeah. It could well be for a number of reasons. No, shame on you. Oh, shame on me. (laughs) (laughs) The the film may well get better. Or I could be sort of distracted by something else, and but in my mind think, oh, this is shit. But Mm. it's because I'm you know distracted. But I I do think that's the curse of some modern audiences with with films now, because there's so much choice. And if something doesn't grab your attention within that first few moments or first few minutes you're like oh, I'm watching something else and inevitably I'll go back to something I've probably seen like a million times before well I was I was gonna uh, I was gonna attribute that story to a film we've already mentioned and that's The Godfather if you just switch The Godfather on Netflix the first 20 minutes is a wedding mm. and all it's about is just setting the scene there's nothing exciting in that first 20 minutes it's intriguing it's captivating, but it's not exciting. So mm. someone could watch that first 20 minutes or not even get to the 20-minute mark and be like, what is this? This is boring. And they just switch it off. Especially mm. if you come from a um, sort of background of watching quite high-octane type of movies or like 80s typical action movies where within the first 20 minutes, like a whole bloody village has been blown up or something. <laughs> yeah. You, you want about Rambo there, do you? Rambo, Commando, <laughs> all of them. All the, all the O's. It, it's funny, funny you mentioned about you know buying buying a DVD or something like something like that because you know you haven't you haven't seen it or whatever. I did I did that with CDs quite a lot in um in university and it's um and it was a real real eye eye opener and and I remember get, getting three particular CDs of him. Um, when I, I did my gap year for Admiral Insurance, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here, but yeah, one guy who was, he, he was, he used to be a, be a, D, a, a rock DJ in a, in a club called The Point in Cardiff. Um, was it Robbie Williams? Yeah, yeah. Oh. He did, oh, well, he, no, he, he didn't want to rock. <laughs> sorry, shit joke. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's like a virtual tumbleweed just going on the thing. <laughs> Somewhere at Bell's Common. Um, um, no, he, he he turned us on to lo- to loads of new music just because just because I bought three CDs from a mail order catalog, and it was um yeah it was a Nine Inch Nails live album and Alison Chain's greatest hits, and another band called The Perfect Circle, which yeah um, if Adam was here he'd be he'd be loving all this. I've but... seen Perfect Circle. What you seen them live? Have you? Yeah. Where? They were sporting Smashing Pumpkins when I went to see them. Oh, my God. 
I, I hate to tell you this, but but they were shocking. <laughs> no, they weren't really. They weren't really. They were quite good, but I wasn't oh. there for them. I was there for the public. Oh, yeah. like, so. You know, you're on about you bought CDs from like a mail order, whatever. Was it one yeah. of those companies that would send you then CDs every month, and if you forgot to send it back to them, they would charge you? No, no, no. This is this was this was basically. Um... Was it Britannia? Ev? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure, was... I'm sure my father was a member of them because yeah. I wanted him to sign up to them because I wanted the five free CDs, and I got <laughs> all three of the Radiohead albums that were out that they had released to that point. I can't remember the other two I got. I think I said to my father, you have one, and then my brother have another one, but mm. I, I made sure I had three CDs. Yeah, no, I, I was the same. I think I think it was Britannia uh, we signed up for. Um, I had three CDs. Knowing, you know my, what my music taste is like, so God knows what I got. And then I think <laughs> you had to buy so many CDs before you could cancel the um, subscription. And inevitably, it took me like four years to get up to those mm. that number. No, this this wasn't a subscription thing. It was just basically, um, I think you had like a, it, it was like a sort of alternative music magazine. It was just on the on the on the back, and there was three CDs you could, um, I I couldn't buy from H and B for some reason. I think I don't know. Um, yeah, and it was um, yeah, just got them and yeah, went on from there. What are we talking about? CDs, <laughs> good fellas. Yeah. All right. I always say all right, but uh, moving on then to favorite aspect. Shoot, Dev, what have you got? What do you love about this film? Two words: Joe Pesci, unbelievable. And I think it's Michael Keaton's got that got got this in 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 sort of a, a short space in, uh, for the different films that he's been in. But he's the only he's the only person I know who could go from naught to 60 in the space of two seconds in terms of being you know laughing and joking and then all of a sudden you know he, he's he's almost like a maniac and i'm talking about the you know how am i funny funny how scene do i amuse you i love it him as an actor like was you know we're talking about all the all the roles that he's been in you know and the the, the typical ones are you know tommy tommy devito and goodfellas nicky santoro and casino but then obviously you get you know you've got the comedic ones like my cousin Vinny. My cousin Vinny, yeah. I can't remember his name. Gambino, I think it was or whatever. Um, you know, Home Alone. Uh, Home Alone, yeah. The way the way he goes from being happy and joking in one of the lads to literally about about to to rip your head off is brilliant. Well, that scene um, was an actual real life sort of scenario that happened to him, and what happened was that he was telling. Scorsese that story and then he really tried to get it into the movie and um, and yeah so so um, Joe Pesci I think was on the receiving end of that someone saying to him okay. oh, what do I amuse yeah. you and things like yeah. I think he was a waiter um, but it, what a great scene I know everyone sort of goes on about that scene but it is pretty good and, and still at the end of it you you still don't know is he actually joking because he's so yeah. bloody tapped, isn't he? That character. But every every time every time I watch it, and even even though I know what's coming, you're still nervous because it because of the way he just he he flips. Well, you know. the other interesting thing about how it was filmed, um, Pesci and um, Henry Hill, oh, really Otter. Really Otter. Um, yeah. They knew how the scene was going to sort of pan out, but the other actors around them didn't. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes, so, so, uh, some of that was improvised from their point of view anyway. It was, um, yeah, great, great scene. Any other favourite aspects? Obviously, the, the film as a whole is, like I said, is gold, but like the soundtrack as well is really is really good. And I think they, they all are in, 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 his, in his films. Well, the, I, I can't remember who did the soundtrack or who pulled it all together, but um, supposedly the director had a lot of the music already thought up well yeah. before filming started. Mm. Um, and again, it, you know, we all know who he is and we all know what type of director he is. But um, yeah, it's the, the soundtrack is phenomenal. Isn't it? And what I love is the soundtrack does get, um, or the music gets older as the movie yeah. goes on, if that makes any sense. You know, it, mm. it ends with, um, oh my God, what's the, what's the song it ends with? 
Oh, um, it's the My Way by Sid Vicious. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think it's great. I, I'll jump on that bandwagon, definitely. Yeah, but I think it's um, cracking, cracking soundtrack. Uh, and also, I, I, I quite like the, um, the fact he always includes his mom in every film. Well, and his dad is in this as well. He always dad's in it as well. Yeah, yeah. So his mom, as you know, is Tommy's mother. Yeah. And I love her because she's like proper sort of Italian, isn't she? And she's the type of person that you, you know, you'd want as a grandma sort of thing. But his dad is all is the guy who's in prison who always puts too much or too many onions in the sauce. I don't put too much onions in sauce. I, I, I think he's Vinny. That's no, that's his yeah. character's name, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, his character's name, Vinny. I keep, I keep wanting to, I keep wanting to cook a meal like that with like oh, a, a the food looks incredible in this uh, film. I, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that particular scene. Do you know where Paulie is cutting the garlic yeah. with, a razor with a razor blade? blade. Yeah. Always sticks in my mind, and I've never done it, but I've always wanted to try it to see how thin I could get it. Yeah. Um, and I'll jump on to what my favorite aspect of the film is and it's the, the narration i think mm. the narration the narration throughout adds so much to the film especially the bit where um oh what's her name what's the wife in it what's her what's the character Karen. 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 at one point she starts narrating narrating it as well yeah so she's talking mm. about like the wedding how everyone's called paulie or or, or whatever <laughs> peter or paul yeah yeah, yeah. um and then she's also talking about when she goes to meet the the other the other wives. Yeah, and, she just, and she's like shocked and she couldn't get over how you know how they are and how different. You know what? Rewatching it this time, I loved that scene. Ah, oh, really, really good with the wives. I found it really funny. And her character's just sat there and she's she's yeah. just like taking it all in, but in awe of it, it's just like oh my god. I I agree with you on the narration. Obviously, it's it's supposed mm-hmm. to be a film about. Henry Hill, but I love the fact that they bring Karen Hill in, so then you understand it's a film about them rather than him. Mm. And that obviously, when you realise the what's happening at the end, you see why it's about them rather than just him. I I love I love that aspect of the film. It's yeah, great. and and Ray Liotta, you know, he, he does it this aspect very well and ultimately he turned on Batman to to be doing this role as well so yeah. really? oh. I think I think as an audience we got the best of of that we got Keaton as Batman yeah. and um and obviously him as Henry Hill but yeah brilliant. I, I'm gonna mention one other thing right and it's not necessarily um about the film it's I think it's of that way of life anyway but everyone's got a nickname and I, I'll come on. I was waiting. I was oh, waiting. I wait, no, no, wait until yeah. we get the favorite scene. <laughs> we come on the favorite scene. Brilliant. There's one particular bit which I'm pretty sure all of us will talk about, but I just love everyone's names in it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'll shut up now. There's my favorite aspects, Prog. Okay, so I got two favorite aspects this time. Obviously, the cast are amazing, right? So we, I, I don't think we need to go into that too much. I love Lorraine Bracco in this film. And I Karen? Say, yeah, yeah, I yeah. fancied her so much rewatching this film because <laughs> of the some of the stuff that she did and said. Because of the way, I, obviously, the act Lorraine Bracco, the actress, is brilliant. I think she's brilliant in almost everything she's in. But the the character of Karen, I found really attractive in the film and. I was I was on board, um, but my favorite aspect is the editing by Thelma Shoemaker, and we've never mm. spoken about editing before on you, so I'm going to just highlight it briefly. The the editing choices, and I'm sh- there's no doubt Scorsese is there over her shoulder, right? I'm not saying he tells her everything to do, but he's giving her pointers and saying, "Can we try this?" Or maybe if we do that, right? But the editing choices, the way the film is cut together, while I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, yes, it's about gangsters. Stuff happens, like murders, heist jobs, that kind of stuff, right? But most of the things that happen, 
snap of the finger. Yeah. It's over really quickly. You're moving on to the next thing. And I just love how the film cuts together. And I wrote down one particular uh, scene or editing choice to, as an example. So Henry and Karen are making out and then having sex on the bed. And then within a within click of a finger, you're cutting to Henry and Tommy holding up the lorry mm. and taking the lorry off the guy. And it was just like, there was no time wasted. I never, I was never bored or I've never been bored when I've watched this film, the amount of times I've watched it. And I think a lot of, do, lot, lot of that is to do with the pacing and the pacing is down to the editing. And it's funny that you say that, right? This is the only film when I've researched for this podcast that the only time that an editor really has come up. And Thelma's name came up throughout, mm. whether it be the director mentioning her, whether it, you know, some critics saying about the pacing, as we're talking about now. Um, so and it's, it's, so it, I think it's probably, you know, praise on her that people are talking about it. And, and mm. ultimately, I think she's edited every one of the, um, Scorsese's films since Raging Bull. Well, she's still an editor now. She's in, she's, she's, she's in her 80s, isn't she? 81, she's 81, right? and she she edited The Irishman for him a couple of years ago, and she's editing his new one now, which is, I think, Killers of the Flower Moon. Hmm. So, yeah, she's 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 great. Yeah, is it that? Yeah, they I definitely, I definitely agree with you there. And it's it works hand in hand with 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 the camera work in it because, like, if like I really like the the use of the. I, I call them stop shots. So it's basically like when when Henry's narrating stuff. Like, take a little example when he's when he's a kid and he's he's smashing the car windows, and then obviously the car explodes, and all of a sudden the the image stops, and and it, and they do that a couple they do that a couple of times, and it's almost to emphasize a point of of how you know of how much he's growing in like the gangster role and and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, re I really like those types of shots, and also like when when Jimmy later in the film where, where he gets the phone call that Tommy's been killed, um, how the camera instant like it's 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 just there, sort of almost like eavesdropping on him, and then as soon as he realizes that that he has been killed, it goes up goes obviously straight in, and he's he's whacking the shit out of the phone box. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be uh, next to what's his name Jimmy Conlon at that moment, would you? No, no chance. Wouldn't want to say or, or look at him the wrong way because he would just fucking do you over. Isn't it funny? At the beginning of the film, they say about Jimmy and they say, like, you know, he's a really dangerous guy, blah, blah, blah. But you don't you don't see much, I don't think, of that dangerous or violent side of Jimmy. You just hear or you see the yeah. aftermath of it. A really mm. good example is when they do the big heist and he kills off all mm. the people that are... You know, we've shown either fucked up or they've gone yeah. and spent the money or what have you. Well, I'm going to say this now, right? And this is no reflection on the acting, but watching it this time, if I was in that world, I would absolutely be more afraid of Jimmy Conlon than yeah. I would of Tommy. Because Tommy, right? I'm I'm not saying Tommy wouldn't flip out and kill you in the with in the blink of an eye. He he obviously would. He does it in the film, right? Yeah. But Jimmy is the cold, calculating one who you never know what he's thinking. Yeah. Tommy's the type of person because he's always saying something. You'd probably be able to keep him at arm's length in so far as as long as you don't piss him off. Yeah. He's not going to do anything to you. But Jimmy is the type of one that you would never know if you're on his good side or his bad side. And I think Robert De Niro is the perfect actor for that type of role. Because he's, he's always been quite sort of... How can I say it? He's very good at portraying cold and calculated, isn't he, Robert De Niro? Typical examples of that, when he plays... Um... When he plays young Vito in Godfather Two, yeah, yeah, this bit and um, Neil McCauley in Heat, yeah, oh, that what a film! Yeah. Heat yeah. is brilliant. We need to do that one day. 
for soon. I'd be happy to do heat, definitely. I, I'm just going to have a shout-out to another guy, and he hasn't got a massive part in this, but I love him as an actor, only because I love his hair. The guy who plays Frankie. Frankie Carbone. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, but he, his hair is amazing. It's, it's like an afro, but it's not an afro. Yeah. It, I, I can't even... It's like candy floss, but black. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I just want to run Frank my finger. That's him. He's also in... Um, well, I'll tell you what he's in, The Wedding Singer. Wedding Singer, I was just going to say. He's, yeah. yeah, he is. He has a scene yeah. with Adam Sandler when he's talking about Adam Sandler's sister, isn't he? <laughs> ah, he, he, he just screams like Italian mob yeah. to me oh, I mean, but like funny oh. Italian mob yeah. you know, the Simpsons got a character who 100% must be sort of based on on him as an actor absolutely <laughs> he's also in Cop and a Half you remember Fat Tony no 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 but, but one of Fat Tony's henchmen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But he he, to, he, to, he mumbles when he talks when the camera goes on him, doesn't he? When yeah, the, when the brilliant. when they're describing everyone, say, like, "Hey, what's wrong? What's wrong?" I love it when Frankie comes in with the with the, to, um, Jimmy's already chewed out one of the guys and his wife yeah. again that car, and then Frankie comes in with his wife and she's got this new fur coat, <laughs> and to, Jimmy just absolutely goes to town on Frankie, yeah. and then instead of Frankie saying anything to Jimmy, he just and loads on his wife as they're yeah. walking up the door. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, fucking, yeah. it's like he knows his place. Yeah. Which does bring me then on to favourite scenes, and I'll talk about it now because it does sort of involve him. But that scene where, and I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't think I'm confusing two different scenes here, or maybe I am, but the scene where everyone is inter- introduced so you've got everyone with all the different nicknames. Well, that's the first that's the first time Henry as a child as a kid meets to, uh, Jimmy. Oh no, this is, I think you're on about something different, aren't you? Isn't I'm that, on about where they go past and there's um in the restaurant. And but we come across um Jimmy, Jimmy two, two times. Jimmy two times. <laughs> and then there was Jimmy two times. I was said things this. I'm gonna get a paper, get a paper. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Can you can you remember all the nicknames? That's a, that's well, shot. one of them was called Johnny Roast Beef, I think. No, it was Roast Beef, yeah. There, there mm. was someone knows, or someone Freddy no, Freddy, Freddy no knows. No knows, that's it. There's yeah. Fat Andy. <laughs> I always, yeah. remember, obviously remember that Some, one. Someone was, someone was nicknamed the Killer, weren't they? Oh, I don't know. Is Frankie, Frankie the Wop? Frankie <laughs> Mike, the Wop, yeah. Mikey Franchese, who he was in. Um, Oh, there was a Netflix series about um, about how Rudy Giuliani brought down the brought, brought down the mafia. I think he was he was in that documentary. Um, Pete the Killer, Sally's brother. Pete the yeah. Killer, when he just goes, he just goes like, "Ah, I took a, I took care of that thing for you." <laughs> that's uh, a great, that's such a good pan shot that or tracking yeah. shot that is as you're going through. He loves his tracking shots, so don't he, Scorsese? Yeah, I love that scene, right? And I wouldn't say it's up there for one of my favorite scenes, but the other one is, and it's it's a scene that gets talked about quite a lot when Henry takes Karen on a date for the first time and yeah. walks her through the kitchens of the club, and then they get to the front of the the, the Cobra Cabana, isn't it? They yeah. get to the yeah. front of the club, the table gets brought out, everyone's saying, Hey, Henry, hey, hey, and she's just in awe of like. The fact that he's slipping yeah. people 20s, 50s, great scene that is. And again, it's panning because it follows them. Well, that ties into my favourite scene on this occasion. And it's actually it's actually the three scenes in succession. So you get Henry on the date with Karen and he's not interested and he walks mm. her home and he more or less just chucks her towards the front door. And walks <laughs> he's off. literally got her, like, his hand on her lower back speeding her yeah. up towards the door. It's brilliant. Then you've got Karen being stood up and she takes Tommy to go find Henry. Mm. And I'm not joking, right? I semi fell in love with Lorraine Bracco's Karen Hill when she's having a go at him out on the stoop outside the shop. Because she looks amazing. 
And also, she's giving it to him as well. She doesn't care who he is. I, I love her change in that. Because he changes, yeah. he sees a different side of her. And then mm. all of a sudden, when he's g- giving it back, saying, oh, yeah, I'll take you out and play, she changes. And she starts smiling at one point. Yeah. And that's a brilliant change in mm. her sort of mood or character. And and he start, and I, what I love about that scene as well is he's trying to feed her the usual lines of, I thought you were going to stand me up. You didn't look like you were interested. <laughs> and there's a, split sec- there's a split second where she's got, looks like she's going to buy it. And then she doesn't buy it. And she starts walking off. And then he says, let me make it up to you. And she says, it's going to cost you. And she smiles. And she looks lovely when she smiles, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a ma- I got a massive crush on Lorraine Bracco after re-watching Goodfellas, boys. Massive crush. <laughs> and then it obviously leads into the date then with that brilliant uh, tracking shot of them going into the club. Yeah, so, yeah. As, as much as there's a lot to pick from, and I could also pick the scene where Henry Hill beats the shit out of that guy with a gun. Mm. The neighbour. Yeah, yeah. Because that's yeah. a real... That seems really visceral, isn't it? The night, the uh, the sound editing on that. So you yeah. really sort of feel the impact of, that, of the gun blows. I like that one just for the fact that it, that it follows them from from when he pulls up and he has a look at them in the, in the back mirror just to survey what's happening. And you, and you know for a fact what's coming. And like it, follow, you know, it, it follows him across, across the street. And you almost, for me anyway, you almost wish that you had, like, you had the confidence and the balls to do that. Obviously, you know, not just to you know, whack shit out of someone with a, with a handgun, but just, just the fact that, he's, that you know, he, knows, he knows what he's going to do. And it's just basically... You know, there's nothing said. He beats him up and then, you know... I was going to ask this, right? If that guy hadn't hadn't said, what do you want, fuck, or do you want some of this or something? He says that to Henry as he's a boy. Yeah. I do wonder what would have happened if he hadn't been so confrontational. Would Henry have just pulled the gun out and warned him? But because no, he said something, did Henry just, like... He went even further. He was like, "All right, he's arming him." I don't know. I think it's he, he, it's, it's probably in his mind he's going to make an example of him, isn't he? Because because like he had because he had his, his his mates around him and stuff like that, and it's you know he he almost sexually assaulted assaulted Karen, and well, it's he just did, he did sexually assault her, yeah. didn't he? Oh, he did, yeah. Um, yeah, because she she said he did put her his hands on her. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, so it so I think I think that was always going to happen happen anyway. But I think it's it's just because his mates were there, he, he tried to you know act the big I am, I suppose. Mm, yeah. Ev, what about you? I've got a few. Obviously, the one um, where we we um, you know the funny how you know how do I amuse you like a fucking clown? Um, I also like when they meet Billy Bats. In the in the bar, and obviously they they kill him afterwards, and just the, to to afterwards when they when they when they're burying him, just just little little bits like um like after they kill him and they and they get and they're wrapping him up in the sheets, and then Tommy Tommy's almost apologetic to to Henry, saying, "Oh, I didn't want to get blood on your floor." It's like, "Oh yeah, thanks for that." He's yeah. he's, he's fucked, and he Tommy. <laughs> yeah, he's just a, yeah. he's just a mess. Like I I don't think he. No. You've got to well, wonder about that type of character where he's like, he's apologetic about getting blood on the floor, but he's not apologetic about, you know, yeah, basically clubbing someone to death with a gun. Yeah. In the end, the end of it all is he's killed himself. Because mm. if he didn't do that to Billy Bats, nothing would have happened to him. He would have got, he, pro- he would have got made, been made, a made man. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, how would you reckon they found out? Because it's not really explained in the film, is it? They would have known that he had an alteration, altercation, sorry, yeah. with Billy Bats, because yeah. some, you know, because his men were there earlier in the night. Yeah, there, so. yeah. I also like the fact that they go to his mom's for dinner, and like he's still he's still in the tr- in the in the boot of the car, mm-hmm. and um and it's it's like they just have like a normal meal and stuff like that, and you you could you could probably probably see with like really odd that he's probably shitting himself, thinking you know what's going to happen because they. Because they kill a made guy, um, but then it's just like you know Joe Pesci and and um, 
Robert De Niro is just like acting as if nothing happened, you know, talking about the. That's how you can tell there's a difference between them. Hmm. There's a difference between Henry Hill, certainly in the film anyway, there's a difference between the characters of Henry Hill and Jimmy and Tommy. Jimmy and Tommy Hmm. are psychopaths because they have no feeling about what they've done to Billy Bats, whereas Henry Hill is visibly, you know, he's worried, isn't he, about what might happen. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's just funny how how they they talk about the painting. Yeah, yeah. One dog dog looks one way, one dog looks the other way. He's like, what do you want from me? His mum is brilliant, isn't it? Well. Yeah. yeah. Ev, any more scenes? No, that's it. No. Oh, we're straight on to changes then. I didn't expect us to come on straight yeah. on to that. Um, anything that you would change about the film? No, I think is I've only got a, only got a couple couple of points, not changes as such, but um, watching it back, I didn't I didn't realise that um, for the, for the Sopranos fans out there, that Paulie Walnuts is in the film. Um, he's uh, when. Right at the start, when they're introducing Tutti in the cab stand, he's one of the um, one of the gangsters that gets out the gets out the car. So and the he's one of them. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. All right. Well, the, the other thing I was going to say is there's quite a lot of real life, let's put it, people that were potentially associated mm. with organised crime in the in the actual film, isn't it? I'm, I'm trying not mm. to go as far as using the term gangster here, but. Um, yeah, there was quite a lot of real life um, wise guys and the like. And the I, book I, is actually called Wise Guys, isn't it? It's based on Henry Hill's autobiography. Oh um, yeah, well it's yeah. a book, book by a guy called Nicholas Pelleggi, which is, which is called Wise Guy, but it, it's about him anyway. Have you read it? Ev? No, no, uh, no. I've read I've read The Godfather though, but that's um. It's um. Good. Yeah, it's definitely one I wouldn't mind getting. And look, we know there's. Um, there's quite a lot of people in the actual film that, that, that that's not their real name. You know, they've changed them ever so slightly. Yeah. Like Jimmy, he's Jimmy Conway in the film, isn't he? But I don't think that's yeah. it. It was name in real life. Mm. I think it was something slightly different. Yeah. Um, but like again, not so much changes, just just general points really. Um, little cameo for Samuel Jackson as well. Yeah, as a stacks. stacks. Yeah, Stack the piano Edwards. player. Yeah. Um, and I just like the the bit the the little characters as such like Maury, ah, oh, he, he's he's such good value in this film. Maury, you changes or your favorite aspect? Well, no, no, no. I've got no changes. I'm just I'm just I'm just doing doing little points. Um, because I forgot to mention them earlier. Um, Which one's Maury? Ev? Maury's Maury's the guy the guy um with the, the wig, wig shop. Yeah, the wig guy. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, okay. You've been good to me. I've been good to you. But there's something unreasonable going on here. I've got something to say about him. Go on. If you really had that good a heist, if you had planned that, would you honestly go to Jimmy Conway with it? And this, I'm, I'm, this isn't something I change. I'm just asking, mm. right, in terms of, you know, as a person, if you're in, I get if you're in that world, but I'm not taking that job to Jimmy Conway. You probably got to Henry, wouldn't you? Well, no, he, no, he went, went, he went Henry, through he? Henry to Jimmy. Yeah. I, I'm saying I wouldn't go anywhere near those guys with that type of plan. Would you go to somewhere like Paulie? I wouldn't even go to Paul. No, I wouldn't go to any wise guys. If you if if you had that plan down to a T and you only needed, I don't, how many people did they actually kill? Was it like four or five? Was it? They kill. Yeah, so- they kill stacks. They killed Frankie. Come uh, on, Frankie. They killed the big guy and his wife, and they killed yeah. two guys who they put in the garbage truck. Yeah, f- one of them was Frenchy. Frenchy, the, the, yeah. the guy who was the um, security the guard bar- earlier yeah. in the film. Yeah. So, so they killed. So they killed five people, and then there's six people, including um, Maury. Right. So they killed six people. To clean up that job, so that was six people that were involved in the job that they killed. 
if you're telling me as Maury, I only needed five people to get involved to do that job, I am not going to Jimmy Conway to do that job. I'm going to try and get five people on my own or get four people and do it with them. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he yeah, maybe he just didn't know anyone else. I've got one thing I definitely would change, and then I've just got some questions, discussion points, right? So the one thing I would definitely change about the film is the last line. I, th- I think it's a terrible last line. Well, remind me, what is it? He stood outside his that new house and he says something like, "I'm now I'm like you, living my life like a schnook." Mm. All right, yeah. And then it, it pans to what's his name shooting the gun. Tommy, Tommy, and, Tommy yeah. yeah. I I just think that last line could have been so much better. I think the film deserved a better last line. I tell you what would have been better is if Henry Hill j- just said, "And now I'm living my life like you," and the way he would have said it would have left the impression that he didn't want to be there living his life like us. But, but the problem is, right, he didn't live his life after that like us. No. I, I don't know if the way that they portray him in the film is actually how they how he is in real life. Because I think, I'm, I'm reading between the lines here, I think he's someone who loved the the notoriety of who he is, right? He was a wise yeah. guy. People probably feared him, blah, blah, blah. Then he had nowhere to go, so he went to the feds. But I, I reckon he secretly loved the fact that he ratted people out. And then he became a celebrity because people wrote a, a story about him. And, Maybe. you know, he, he did advise the um, the film as well. We know that Robbie De Niro used to call him up. And I think at one point he was calling him something like eight times a day to ask him how Jimmy would act in a certain direction, what his mannerisms were and things. Yeah. So I, I need to read the book, really, I think. So I'm just going to uh, I'm just gonna point out a couple of other things here now. You know when Henry gets his first court case? You popped your cherry. Yeah, but they're all there to celebrate as he's walking out of court. If mm. I was walking out that court, I'd be like, well, I wonder who he's involved with. <laughs> That's the thing, though. They didn't care, did they? Everyone knew. No, I yeah. suppose not. Because the judge gets paid off, didn't he? I, I, right. Do you think there's any empathetic characters in the film? Because this is a problem I have sometimes with the Scorsese film, right? As much as I enjoy mm-hmm. them, um, the perfect example would be Wolf on Wall Street, which is a very good film. But I, I don't love the film because I don't like any of the characters in it. Mm-hmm. As as in, I can't empathize with them, or none of them seem to have sort of any redeeming characteristics. Now, with Goodfellas, I do think Karen is a somewhat empathetic character because she just gets caught up in this world, doesn't she? But yeah. I don't think any I don't think any of the men. Uh, are empathetic. No, uh, I was, I was just just thinking off the top of my head there. I think you could probably you could probably get a get like an empathetic character in Casino, Robert De Niro's character, because it because like if um he you know he he doesn't he doesn't act like a typical gangster. He's not you know he's not going around stealing, womanizing you know and all that lot. He's he's there to do a job and he does it well. I'm glad so, you said that, Ed, because yeah. I prefer Casino to Goodfellas. Oh, right. Well, for that for that reason, yeah. Okay. It's it's just all to do with my personal preference, obviously. You know, yeah. I mean, Goodfellas. This film is amazing. It's an amazing film. But for the reason I just stated, I prefer Casino because I still because Casino is an amazing film, but I can. I can invest in Robert De Niro's character in Casino because I do think, mm. yes, he does some questionable film, things in that film, but ultimately he's not trying to be a bad person. Mm. And I think that's why when I was watching Goodfellas this time, I was invested in Karen Hill more than I have been before. And obviously because I fancied the little battle, but we don't need to go back over that. My last, my last question was going to be, was Jimmy going to kill Karen? Yes. 
I think he was, but the problem I had then is you you didn't really one there was no shop, so that's the reason I I thought that. But also there was didn't seem like there was going to be anyone to kill her. There were some yeah. guys in a store, and they looked like they were construction men of some sort, but mm. no one sort of like made their way out towards her or anything. No, and I think that's a good choice in that. By by Scorsese, in that, in that he almost leaves it to us to decide what we think might have mm. happened, because I think ultimately it's it's Karen Hill that's decided she's going to get killed, and it it's her suspicions, isn't it? Yeah, that cause her to leave, because obviously Henry Hill has told her all these things about we're going to get whacked or I'm going to get whacked. I can't leave the mm. house. This that and the other. And I think that's why she starts to believe then that it's going to happen to her. So that's that's all I got. I've got a couple of things. Um, there's one element of the film which I don't think is as believable, and that is you get Ray Otter at 21 marrying Karen. He doesn't mm. look like a 21 year old. Oh God, no! It's, it's it's a small nitpick. I don't know how they would ever have got around that. But it's basically it's Ray Liotta, and over like a ten to fifteen year period or whatever it is, he looks the same age. Throughout. I tell you now, I believe Ray Liotta is a twenty-one year old rather than fucking Joe Pesci as a twenty-one year old. <laughs> Joe Pesci's <laughs> looked fifty for about forty years. <laughs> the problem I have, right, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning. I had never really seen Joe Pesci in a film before Goodfellas, apart from Home Alone. Mm. So I had a bit of a shock when I came to watch him in um, Goodfellas. I hadn't seen Casino. I hadn't seen some of these others. Um, I don't even think I'd seen My Cousin Vinny. But, (laughs) yeah, so I just had a bit of a shock. But I know what you mean. There was a period of about 25 years where he just looked the same. Yeah. 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 and I do have another point, and I can't remember what it is. Uh, never mind. Can't, it couldn't have been that bloody, that, that bloody interesting. Um, the one bit I will say, the prison scene. I forgot how sort of horrific it is, the prison visiting scene, I should say. Yeah. Where you get a guy who's having a blowjob right next to a woman who's changing a baby's nappy. Yep. It's horrendous. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it, it wasn't until I saw it this time round that I actually sort of, yeah, put those two things together. Hey, you know why, didn't it? Because this is the first time you've watched it since you were having, since you've had kids. And every time you watched it before, all you were thought, all, all your focus was on the blow job. Um, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I did always used to think, like, really, he's having a blow job in front of about a hundred oh. other people. <laughs> Now you're thinking he's having a blowjob while a baby next to him. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's move on to some facts quickly. Um, Goodfellas could have starred, Tom is, um, probably is going to hate this, Tom Cruise and Madonna as Henry oh. and Karen. Mm. I, I, don't, I have no sort of background to that, whether that was the studio pushing that. Well, Scorsese had worked on The Colour of Money with Tom Cruise. Mm, he wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't have been right for a for a bloody mob guy. Yeah. Ed McDonald. I don't know if you know the name, but he was the um, prosecutor who brought down Henry Hill in real life. He actually played the prosecutor in the film. Really? Yeah. Mm, okay. So I I think it's the guy. Oh, I I don't know. I was going to say I think I think it's the guy who offers him um, the witness protection. I don't know that, but all I know is he's in the film as the prosecutor. So, yeah. Can't add any more to that. We've talked about this, I believe, in when we did Twin Town, the episode. But this film has 300 usages, or usage, of the word fuck. And at the time, it was the record for the most uses in a particular film. Most of those were ad-libbed by Joe Pesci <laughs> because the original script had about 100. 
Yeah. And I'm not saying he did the extra 200, but he did a large proportion of them. And, and anyway, that was topped by um, the Wolf of Wall, Wall Street that had 506 usages of the word fuck. Do you know the opening scene where Joe Pesci stabs Billy Bats in the boot yeah. of the car? I think it's in the opening scene anyway. But yeah. anyway, he stabs him seven times three of which that you see on camera and then four off camera. And they changed that because originally he was going to get stabbed seven times on camera, but test screening didn't, or the people at test screening screening didn't like it. So they changed it. So he still gets stabbed the same amount of times, but you only see less than half, which does bring me to, and I do wonder, right, when it comes to test screening, who's involved in these? Because supposedly a number of people walked out after the first scene in the test screening. And I, and I, I often hear this quote that X amount of people walked out after so long and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. I'm Really? I know they're there for a reason, right? And they probably haven't paid. But how many people do you know have actually walked out of the cinema because the film has been bad or the film has upset them? I don't think I've ever walked out of the cinema. I was in a sc- I was in a screening of Saw, and two people walked out when um, at the the scene where she's um, getting the key out of his stomach. Ah, well, there's there's my theory out the window. Are they, are they not seen Saw, the trailer? Well, well, this is the thing, yeah. It's just, it's, I don't know. Anyway, just forward to it. And then the final fact for me is, it's it's always a bit of a surprise to people that Al Pacino isn't in the film. And originally he was lined up for Jimmy Conway. But he turned it down because he didn't want to be typecast after doing Godfather and, you know, all those years later. Even though... that he, Tracy. Yeah, I was going to say, even though he played big boy Caprice in Big in Dick Tracy. Yeah. What a, what a film that is. Oh, well, hey. we, we, maybe we'll come on to that one again one day. So, come on, Ed. Would you recommend Prog? Yes. Ev? Yep, 100%. Big fat yes from me as well. I think it's an amazing film. And if you haven't seen it, bloody go out and watch it. Bloody do it. Bloody do it. Budget to 25 million, returned 47 million. That's nothing, is it? No, and it's a bit of a shock, that is. But I think at the time, yeah, people were probably a bit turned off by the violence in it and maybe didn't fully understand the film. And maybe that's why cinema you know, didn't really work. And there's, you know, there's loads of films like that, that after they came out of the cinema show-ins or the period, you know, people loved them as soon as you could buy them on DVD and VHS. Shawshank Redemption being a perfect example. Mm. Anyway, Let's wrap up there. Podcasts come out every Wednesday. Hit us up on social media. If you want us to do a certain film in the future, just let us know via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those sort of um, platforms. All right. Cheers, all.